Well, happy Sunday, friends. It is so great after having a little time off to be back with you today, and I hope you're doing well. My name is Clay Munkus, and I get the honor of being the lead pastor here at Next Level. And even if we've never met, as I say every single week, uh, I'm glad that you've chosen to join us, and I would love to meet you someday. Uh, today, we are kicking off a series that we're calling Unstoppable. And during this series, we're going to be challenging you, as a follower of Jesus, to do the difficult thing the countercultural thing and take a risk and show the love of Jesus where you live, work, and play. And to get us started, I want to talk about this idea of difference makers. Now, the Bible talks a lot about difference makers. In fact, in the New Testament, there's a book called Hebrews. And in that book, in Hebrews, there is a whole chapter, chapter 11, that is dedicated to difference makers. It's kind of like, uh, I've heard it referred to as a hall of fame for people, people of faith. It lists out all the different people who have done some amazing things, who have in their own right made a huge difference or impact where they live, work, and play, both in their present time and in for the time in the future. Uh, there are people listed that probably you've heard of, Noah, okay, someone you've probably heard of. Uh, there is Sarah, who God gave her her first children, who became the beginning of the, the tribes of the Israelites when she was 90 years old. And then there's Rahab, who was a prostitute that aids Joshua. She winds up being in the birth line of Jesus. And then there's Joseph, who rescues the world from a famine. There's Moses, and there's others. But all of these characters that you find in uh, this book of Hebrews, they're all in the Hall of Fame. And when you look at it, you see that these difference makers in the Bible, one of the first questions that comes to my mind is what is it about these people that set them apart? Why is it that they made such a difference? Right? Is it because they lived perfect lives or near perfect lives? Like, no. You look through this list of people and they are messed up. Moses was a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. Noah went all country music song and, and got drunk and passed out naked, right? Uh, they did not live perfect lives. So what made them difference makers? What set them apart? It's not gender because we have men and we have women here. It's not age because they're all different ages. It's not moral conduct, as I just pointed out. They had plenty of failures in their own right. But it is this one thing. Every one of these different makers have this one thing. And that one thing is faith. Right? And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, this is important for us to note. Because at the very core of Christianity is kind of this basic instruction, this challenge that is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where it says this, For we live by faith not by sight. Now, the big problem here is this idea of faith. And most of us, if we're honest, are not comfortable living by faith, even though that's what we're called to do. Where most of us want to live is what our culture calls the comfort zone. So in this series, I want to talk about how we can move out of our comfort zone, how we can be difference makers, just like those people whose names are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, people who made a real difference where they lived, where they worked, and where they played. But to do that, we're going to have to talk about living outside of our comfort zone. And most of us 
spend most of our life living inside of a box, inside this box that is our comfort zone. This is where we feel most comfortable because inside your box, things are predictable, things are safe, things are known. Inside the box, you can live at least with the illusion that you have control. And so you want to stay inside this box where it's safe. So maybe you're a student. And as a student, you kind of stick with the same group of friends even if they're not the best influence. They may even be going in the opposite direction with their life from where you want to go, but you sit with the same people lunch at lunch and you listen to the same gossip about the other people. Why? Because it's known. This is comfortable. You know how to act in this group. Or maybe you're an adult who has found a comfort zone at work and you don't want to rock the boat, so you put up with things that you thought you would never, ever, ever put up with. Or maybe it's a relationship. And in your relationship, things aren't bad, but they aren't good or great either. And rather than taking a risk to work on issues and begin developing a great relationship, you settle for not bad and stay in your comfort zone or, you know, just stay in your box. But in order to grow, in order to make a difference, you have to take a risk. Now, for those of you who are visual learners, let me put up this graphic here. This is a graphic that kind of explains it the, the best way that I know how. And as you can see, just outside of the comfort zone is the fear zone. This is where you are affected by other people's opinion. Therefore, you kind of lack confidence and you begin to make excuses for everything. But if you press through that, you reach the learning zone where you kind of deal with challenges. You learn some new skills. And this is what leads you to the growth zone. This is where you find purpose. You live dreams, and this is where you make a difference. And here's the thing. We all kind of instinctively know that the good stuff, the real magic, happens outside of our comfort zone, right? It's, it's out here where uh, things begin to happen, where things aren't quite as predictable, that we begin to see things happen that we want to see happen. So part of the whole idea of this series is if you want to make an impact, if you want to make a difference, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right? If you want to make a difference, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's what you have to do. And, and we don't like that. I don't want to be comfortable with being uncomfortable but this is what you have to do. Now, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to have a brief look at the life of Abraham. He's one of the people that's listed in this Hall of Fame in, in Hebrews. He's one of the difference makers. So we're just going to kind of step back and analyze his life. And in doing that, you're going to see a couple of things in here that I think will be real encouraging, especially for those of you who find yourself at a place in life where you want to take a risk, you want to take a chance and step outside of your comfort zone. So, Genesis chapter 1, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. The Lord said to Abram, "Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you." All right? Do you see the pattern because there's a pattern here. He says, "Your country, your people, your father's household. In other words, this is his comfort zone. It's all the stuff that's his. It's what's known. It's what's comfortable. I want you to leave all of that, and I want you to go to the land that I will show you. I want you to take a chance on me. 
Right? And notice that God doesn't even tell him where he's going. He just says, I want you to get out of the box. I want you to leave what's known. I want you to leave what is predictable. I want you to leave all that behind, and I'll tell you later where we're going. Verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Right? He steps out of the box. He simply trusts God and moves at 75 years old. Now, part of the problem that we have, at least I do, for those of you who have dreams, for those of you who kind of have some prompting, some kind of calling on your life, the problem is that we all know is everything that we know is inside the box, right? You can have dreams. In fact, most people, most of you, if not all of you, have some kind of dream, some kind of idea, some kind of prompting on your heart. I want you to know that you can still have that and you can still stay inside the box. What I've discovered is that for every 10 dreamers, there's usually only about one decision maker. For every 10 dreamers, there's usually only one person who will make a decision, take a chance, and step outside of the box and begin to follow that dream or that prompting or that calling. Most of us want to stay safe and stay inside the box, and our dreams just stay dreams. Our dreams never transition into goals. We never step out and we never say, I'm going to trust. Because again, inside the box is where we get paralyzed because we want clarity, right? What you want, and, and I want this as well, you want answers. What you want is guarantees before you step out of your comfort zone. You want to guarantee that this is all going to work out. But I want you to know, there are some things that are worse than failure. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Joshua Foer, and, and he wrote a, a great little book called Moonwalking with Einstein. Crady's title was a great book, and it's uh, uh, about how to become an expert in any particular area, in any kind of skill set. And the premise of the book is that most people in any skill set, they get to a place that he calls the OK Plateau, where you're proficient enough at that skill that you can get by, you can survive. And for some of you, uh, that might be uh, if you're, you know, maybe you play golf. I don't know how many of you play golf. Some of you, maybe you've been playing golf for 20 years, and your handicap is the exact same that it's been. I mean, it just is. You go out once a month or you go out once a week and you play golf, and you are always within two or three strokes of what you shot the last time. And it'll be that way next week, and it'll be that way the week after that, and 10 years from now because you've hit the okay plateau. You're okay with your skill level, and you can get by. Here's another one that I think most of us uh, could, could you know, at least uh, relate to. How many of you spend at least 30 minutes a day typing? This could be emails, it could be school reports, it could be whatever. How many of you spend 30 minutes a day at a keyboard typing? I'm sure that that is a lot of us. Um, how many of you would say that you're faster at typing this year than you were last year? Right? I, probably not very many, right? I, when I was writing this, I was like, how much time do I spend? I probably spend two hours or more a day typing emails or writing something, right? And I've been at the same typing speed for at least 20 years. I never get any better. Why? Because I'm at an okay plateau. So what Joshua was saying in his book is if you want to become an expert at anything, you have to 
burst through the okay plateau. And experts say that if you want to burst through that plateau, what has to happen is you have to have planned failure. In other words, you have to plan to fail. And then you analyze your failure. All right, so let's go back to typing. If you actually want to get faster at typing, then, uh, you know, faster in 2023 than you did in 2022, here's what happens. Experts say you would actually have to type 10 to 20% faster than what you're currently comfortable with, right? Which means what? You're going to make a bunch of mistakes, right? And then what you need to do is analyze that failure. What words do you misspell every time? What are the letter combinations in your typing that you seem to get confused at a lot? And you begin to analyze the failure. And in the analysis, you come up with a plan to not do that. And that's how you break through the okay plateau. But like we were saying, you know, uh, in the box, in that comfort zone, we stay there because we feel like in the box, we make fewer mistakes. Right? In the box, we have less failure, which is true. But you do, do you know what stings a lot more than failure? Let me tell you. Regret stings a lot more than failure. Right? I talk to a lot of people at the end of their life, and they have regrets around not doing things. And what's going to happen is you stay inside this box, and you'll get to the end of your life. And yes, you'll have less failure than those who went outside the box, but what you will have is a mountain of regret because you never trusted, you never busted through that okay plateau, you never trusted God in a way that maybe scared you to death. So when you're venturing outside the box and taking a chance, let me give you four things that you can do when you're taking a chance. And the very first one is this, expect difficulties, all right? That's the very first thing that you're going to face when you step outside your comfort zone. You are going to experience difficulties. After all, what you are stepping into is unknown and uncomfortable. Let's look at a couple of verses. Uh, just go a little further down in Genesis chapter 12. This is shortly after Abram trusts God. He sets out. And then in Genesis 12:10, the text says this. At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. The very first thing that happened for Abram, when he gets outside the box, he experiences difficulties. And that is probably going to be the very first thing that happens to you when you get outside the box. You are going to encounter difficulties. You can count on it. I promise you, you're going to face difficulties along the way. That is not the issue. The question that comes is, will you push through those? I heard a great, great quote that basically said this, if I summarize it. If you give up on a dream just because you face a difficulty, that's like slashing the other three tires when one goes flat. Right? I love that visual. I love the idea. You are going to face difficulties, but that doesn't mean that you abandon the whole thing. You keep pushing through. So expect difficulties. The second thing that you can do is remember what God can do. Paul also wrote about Abram's faith, who, who God later renames Abraham in Romans. Look at what he says about Abram or Abraham's faith in Romans chapter 4 verse 17. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. 
This happened because Abraham believed in, look at who he believed in. He believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Man, there are two things right there in this verse that I I just can't skip over. The first one is that God can bring the dead back to life. You can't do that. Never forget, God can bring life into a dream that's dead, into a relationship that's dead, into a financial situation that's dead. God can bring life into that. And then the second thing that only God can do, he creates new things out of nothing. When you get out there and when you're outside the box and you have to stay focused on the fact that the idea that God can create new things out of nothing. You ever noticed in any kind of contractual situation that there is a promiser and there's a promisee? Someone who makes the promise and someone who receives the promise. In that situation, all the weight, all the responsibility lies on the promiser, right? Not on the promisee. Let me give you an example. Let's say I buy something from Ikea. When I get home to put it all together, not all the parts are in the box. So what do I do? I return to Ikea to get what was promised. It is their problem, not mine. I take the problem and I go back to the promiser and I'm like, hey, something's not right here. It all lies with the promiser. What some of you guys have to remember in your situation, you're not the promiser. You're not. This Messiah complex that you've developed, that thing's got to go. You can't change your circumstance. You can't change other people. You can't change the other people involved in your circumstance. Heck, you can't even change you. So stop trying to change all the people around you. you got to drop the Messiah complex and remember only what God can do. Stop focusing on that, right? Focus on what he can do. He's the promiser. You are the promisee. So when stepping out of your comfort zone, you can expect difficulties, and then you need to remember what God can do. And then the third thing, face the facts with faith. Face the facts with faith. Let's go back to Romans chapter 4 there, talking about Abraham. Let's go down to verse 19. It says that, And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a 100 years of age he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. It's like he looks at himself and he says, The promise that I'm going to be the father of a great nation, well, here I am. I am really old now, and we have no kids. So that, that is not going to happen. His wife is old. He is old. But verse 20, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. It's interesting. That's what faith really is at its core. It's facing the facts, but it's facing the facts without being discouraged by the facts. And I just want to remind you guys, faith is not denying reality. Faith is, is not pretending you don't have a problem when you do have a problem. That, that's not faith. That's called denial. Faith is not pretending like you're not in pain when you're in pain. Faith is not pretending that you're not hurt when actually you have been hurt. Faith is just facing the facts without being discouraged by them. And, and that's what Abraham does. He's like, man, here's a problem. There is a really big problem, but I'm not going to be discouraged by that. I'm not going to run back into the box. I'm going to run back to my comfort zone, right? Because I believe that somehow, some way, God's going to be bigger than this problem. 
So when stepping out of your comfort zone, you can expect difficulties. You need to remember what God can do. You face facts with faith. And then the fourth thing I want to talk to you about, you rely on what God has said. You begin to go back and look at it. Right? You've got to rely on what God has said. Let's jump back to the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verse 1. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. This is interesting because this is about 10 years after God had given Abraham the original dream or promise. 10 years after he stepped out of his comfort zone in faith. 10 years since he acted on trusting God. But now, all of a sudden, it seems like there's a little bit of doubt. He doesn't seem nearly as confident as he was before. It's like Abraham is saying, hey God, I just need to know, is the deal still on? I mean, that whole promise thing, is that deal still real? Or did I dream all that up? Maybe I thought that was your will and it was not your will. Like, I thought you said it was going to happen, but maybe it's not. You ever been there? Hey God, I just need to know, is the deal still on? He's asking all these questions, which brings me to a really important point. A life of faith is not absent of doubt. And the reason I want to point that out is because I see a lot of people, right, even Christians that think, if I'm going to step out of my comfort zone, if I'm going to live a life of faith, I can't have any doubts. I can't have any questions. And that is not true. It's just simply not true. Because if you could sit down and interview any one of those people that's in Hebrews chapter 11, right, including Abraham, and you were to ask them, did you ever have any doubt? Every one of them would be like, yeah, yeah, I had some doubt. And this is just a perfect example of Abraham. He has some doubt. And, and I think some of you think to live a life of faith, it means you have to just have complete faith with no doubts, and think that there are people out there that have faith with no doubts. And then there's people who have doubts, who just have questions. And you have too many questions, so therefore you can't be a person of faith. That's not true. Living a life of faith is not living a life where there's not any doubt. You're going you're gonna to have faith, and you're also going to have doubt. The question becomes, which one of those are you going to act on? Do you act on the doubt, which is going to cause you to run right back into the box, right back into your comfort zone? Or do you act on faith, you know, even in the midst of questions? Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think sometimes, especially in Christianity, we get really nervous about questions. Right? Don't be afraid of the questions. Ask all the questions you want. And for those of you who are watching today, maybe you don't even know if you buy in to the whole Jesus thing. You got lots of questions. And you think because you have those questions, you could never have faith in Jesus. Well, what I would want to tell you is keep asking questions. Don't be afraid of the questions. They're all part of the process for every single one of us. Faith 
is a journey. It's a process. And faith is not microwavable. You're not going to snap your fingers and have faith. It is a process. Now, does Abraham get answers to all his questions? You can read it. No. Does he get an explanation for his question? No. Which, again, is interesting. Because in our culture, we're driven by information. We're driven by knowing. We're driven by knowledge. And we think that the more spiritually mature you become, the more certainty you should have because you know more. But the reality is, the more spiritually mature you become, the less certainty you need. The reality is, the more you grow in your faith, the more comfortable you become with asking questions. And you can ask questions where there are no answers. The reality, and this might scare you, (laughs) as a pastor, I have more questions about faith than I do answers. I really do. I have tons of questions. I think as I continue to explore, some of those questions I'm going to find answers to. But you know what? Some of those questions, man, I don't think I'm ever going to find an answer to them. But it's part of the process. So don't be afraid of that. So let's go back to Abraham. This is how God answers Abraham and all of the questions he has going in in verse 4. It says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. Right. So just pause there. God's like, hey, Abraham, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come out of the tent. I just want you to come out of the tent, and I want you to look up. All right, what do you see up there? Well, I see stars. Okay, you see all those stars? Count them. Can you count all those stars? And I'm sure Abraham's like, uh, no, I, I can't count the stars. God's like, that's right. You can't count the stars. But guess what, Abraham? You know who can count the stars? I can I can count them because I created each and every one of them. And I can count them. So Abraham, I'm sure he's like, okay, I get it. You can, I can't. You can, I can't. You're God, I'm not. And God's like, yeah, that's right. You can't count the scars. I'm God, you're not. And then he goes, and this is the part, this is the promise part. I love this. There's a challenge, and then here's the promise. He says to him, verse 5, that's how many descendants you will have. That, that's God. Again, he's reaffirming the pro- promise. He doesn't tell him how it's going to happen, but he is like saying, hey, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And I know that sounds really weird to you because you don't even have kids, and I'm not even going to tell you how that's all going to work out. you got to trust me. And your offspring, they're going to outnumber the stars that you see up there. And this is, is really just kind of a cool scene. Where God reaffirms who he is and he's recommitting himself to Abraham. He's saying, hey, listen, Abraham, I know things aren't going very good right now. I know you got a lot of questions, right? I, I know that you've had some difficulty and I know that you're struggling, but I want you to know something, Abraham. He says, the deal is still on. The deal is still on. Not because of your faithfulness, because let's be honest, you have been unfaithful along the way. The deal is still on because I am God and I'm faithful. The deal is still on. And you know what? I don't think that message is just for Abraham. I think that message is for every single one of you. I want you to hear this today. Listen, get your chin up. The deal is still 
on. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. What he started in you, he will complete. The deal is still on. And over the next few weeks, I believe that God is going to remind you of something that he has spoken to you about in the past. Something that he called you into. Something that scared you then and it still scares you today. As we go through these weeks together, the question for every one of us is this. Will you leave your comfort zone? Will you leave your comfort zone? Can you trust God? Maybe in a way that absolutely scares you to death. And maybe that's what God is calling you to do today. He's just saying, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. I want you to step out of your comfort zone. And I want you to look up. And while you're standing out here in the dark sky, looking up at all these stars that you can't even count, it's actually impossible. And that's the point. That's why they call it faith. And here's where we're going to go over the next four weeks. You guys pray with me. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. And faith calls us out of our story into your story, which is bigger and it's better. I just pray today for people who are kind of right there on the line and they're scared and they're nervous. I pray today that you would give them the faith to trust you, to step out of the comfort zone and remember that you are the promiser and we are are the promise for it's in your holy and your precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us again today. If you think today's message might be valuable to somebody you know, I would love it if you would just share this video because when you share this video, not only is it helpful for them, but by sharing and liking the content on this channel, you help us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And as I say every single week along those lines, Uh, I would love it if you would head over to our website at nextlevelchurch.org. Click on the Give button that you'll see there, and you'll see that there are giving options. I'd love it if you would just select one of those. Your faithful support helps us each and every week to raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Now, by way of benediction, let me reread to you that original verse, the very first verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, where it says this, For we, as followers of Jesus, live by faith, not by sight. May you this week stand firm in faith. May you step out of your comfort zone and join your heavenly father. And may you, in the midst of questions and doubts, may you live by faith and not by sight. Hey, have a blessed week. We'll see you on all of our uh, social channels as we go this week. Just know as you're going through that I love you and I'm praying for you.